Thanks, Lou. You too, big guy. See you next week. Hello and welcome, fellow film buffs. I'm Zach Droll, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow cinephile, Hunter Vanillerup. Yo, what is up, guys? <laughs> That's it. That's all I need for my intro. <laughs> we are the Box Office Losers. Each and every week, we take a deep dive into the film sphere and watch and review any and all films who have ever graced the screen. This week, we talk about Fight Club. First rule of Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. All right, Zach, time to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, uh, we can't talk about this much anymore. <laughs> yeah, can't talk about the film. So thank you guys for listening. It's been 30 seconds. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and, and please, uh, can we get some sponsors out here? Hey, Raycon, sponsor this 30 episode. Sponsor 30 second episode. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> a, a boy needs to eat. All right, enough with the bit. So Fight Club is a 1999 American film directed by David Fincher. Starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Helena Bonham Carter. Bonham? Bonham. Don't know. It is based on the 1996 movie uh, novel of the same name by Chuck Palahniuk. Pa- Palahniuk? He's got a very weird last name. Yeah, that's good. Palahniuk's novel yeah, was uh, optioned by Fox 2000 Pictures producer uh, Laura Ziskin, who hired Jim Ools to write the film uh, adaptation of it. Fincher was selected because of his enthusiasm for the story because I think he read the book. And then mm-hmm. uh, he developed a script with Ools and sought screenwriting advice from cast and other uh, from the cast and others in the film industry. He and the cast compared the film to Rebel Without a Cause from 1995, uh, 1955 and The Graduate from 1967. With a theme of conflict between Generation X and the value system of advertising, which we'll get into later with the whole consumer capitalism, yes. blah, blah, blah. Uh, so do you want me to go on? I, I'll, yeah, I'll do the overview. So apparently, right. uh, the studio executives did not like this film when it came out. Uh, they restructured well, Fincher's intended marketing campaign to try to reduce the anticipated losses of the film because the whole thing was like "fuck the system, man, fuck you," and the whole twist ending. And then back in nineteen ninety nine, that was the nineties, though. Stuff, Come on, you know, back in nineteen ninety nine, a lot of that stuff wasn't gonna fly in theaters. You know what I mean? Like the the basic cookie cutter films that came out in ninety nine were easy. Like just like you know, here's Toy Story, here's um fucking Air Bud. Like here's just these films that have no twist endings that are just easy peasy lemon squeezy. And then they give us yeah. this masterpiece or cult classic film, however you wanna you know choose to to ring your hat on yeah it's just like okay so fight club failed to meet the studio's expectations at the box office and received polarized reactions from critics because critics were like anti-disestablishment anti-disestablishmentarianism is not what we need for our films boo and i don't know how it failed at the box office this film is fucking phenomenal but then again cult classic um, status is a cult classic status for a reason it it made um 100.9 million what was the budget at the box office uh 63 so it didn't blow anyone out of the water, because you have to yeah, think. It, it, you have to think you got to double the budget for marketing. So if it had a mar- a budget of sixty million, it probably took cost them one hundred and twenty million to do everything. So technically yeah. a bomb, but not necessarily. Um, it was cited as one of the most controversial and talked about films of nineteen ninety nine for obvious reasons, which we'll get into later. The Guardian saw it as an omen for change in American 
political life and described its visual style as groundbreaking because the cinematography was insane. Oh, was yes, also, it was. Not a lot of films did the gritty, you know, takes on film. Like, Zack Snyder wasn't a director at this point. <laughs> Like and and hey and 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 Zack Schneider, even though he has a he has a, like a bit a, a lot of duds, he he has perfected like this gritty take to to a bunch of films now. Oh, you know, I, I love Zack Snyder. He's not like one of my favorites, but he's uh, he's up there. Yeah. So uh, where was I on my totally not stolen from Wikipedia? Uh, a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't do that here, guys. No, no, we're very original with with, with what we steal from. I mean, what we write. <laughs> So yeah. the film was later uh, found commercial success with its DVD release, establishing Fight Club as a cult classic and causing media to revisit the film. That's when all of these like film buff college students were like, actually, this film is a masterpiece and uh, it, sh- it should be praised. It was cinematic and it's basically what we're doing because we're douchey. <laughs> it's like, so like, I think I want, it was like this film and also like we're, like the breakfast club was up in every poster on every dorm room in college well, yeah, back then i actually have a fight club poster not in my room uh, i gave it to my brother he likes fight club a lot but i'm um, like i had one of the posters and i was like i have the fight club I rules yeah my brother has the, the rules in his room it's the one poster i, I, he has. I have the rules and it's surrounded by my wrestling posters i uh, know it's the one poster he has in his room is the fight club rules that's awesome yeah yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we actually share film tastes, me and my brother. Me and him are very polar <laughs> opposites. Um, so on the 10th uh, anniversary of the film's release, the New York Times dubbed it as the defining cult classic movie of like their time, of our time. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can say... I, I can agree with that. I can see their point, but I don't know. I'm more of a Lebowski fan. I'm more of like a, like a, like a oh, diehard that, kind of I, I, I love Lebowski. Yeah, Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies I, of all I, time. I, I, so... I I have it on DVD, so I have like four copies. I have two blue. I have two Blu-rays. Jesus. Uh, I got a steel book. I think I have it on uh, another DVD somewhere, and then I have it digitally. I love the Big Lebowski, and I even watched I, I, the I Jesus might, Rolls, I, and that's not good. Don't watch it. I I might try to find the um the VHS copy of um of of of, of this movie and also Big Lebowski just to have them dude there's a collector's edition of the Big Lebowski that is a bowling ball that you open I know. up I I I I saw it at FYA years ago and I didn't think to get it and now I'm regretting it I was like I should have got that fucking bowling ball it was so cool. it's it's I I think it might still be there I don't remember cuz um I I saw it I saw it I think before the pandemic happened mm, I don't remember and oh, I cause I was looking to get look. I was looking to get the Breaking Bad copy mm. that they have there. Okay, but back on top, guys. Back this on is just to Fight Club. Fight Club. Okay, fight club. let's just like set the level straight. We are nerds and we love like shit like that. Now, um, here are some interesting like uh, tidbits that we kind of did did some research on. So, the original cast, like the original casting for Tyler Durden, otherwise uh, as Brad Pitt's character, was going to be Russell Crowe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Like, I like Russell Crowe, don't get me wrong. The other guys are one of my favorite films of, uh... Yeah. I want to say 2016 that came out. Like, I love Russell Crowe. I, I think, but, like, though... I don't know if uh, he would have been a good Tyler Durden. I don't think he has that much... Well, had that much charisma. Well, I, I mean, I back think, in 99. I, I think if you... Um, yeah, and back in 99, if you were to put him in that role now, it would be fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. If, he, if, he, you, put, he if you put Old Man Crowe... If, if, if you put old man crow in, in Tyler Durden's spot right now, 
It'd be amazing. I actually think if they rebooted, like if they remade a Fight Club, Russell Crowe would probably play Bob. Oh my god. Imagine him walk around with bitch tits, dude. <laughs> they, 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 they would have to give him... They, I, they, they would have to give him the, the, the same studio budget they gave Brad Pitt, which was $17.5 <laughs> Just for his role. Just as bitch tits? <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, if they were to give like Crow like the the, the um the, the thing to be bitch tits, mm. it would have to be. They would have to give him a lot of money for that. Mm. Now, um, another interesting tidbit. Uh, the unnamed narrator or Edward Norton's character was supposed to be since the studio desired a sexier marquee name like Matt Damon. Imagine Matt Damon. As as the unknown narrator. Well, it's because Matt <laughs> Damon that and shit. Sean Penn were big actors back in '99. While Edward Norton, I think, got off of like maybe two films recently, uh, around '99. So yeah, like because um, Edward, Nor- it's kind of like what happened with the whole Die Hard thing, where Bruce Willis as an action star, he's a rom com guy. We don't need him. And then all of a sudden, he's like an action star now because of Die Hard. So this well, is like, I feel um, like what Edward Norton like was his launching point for his marquee name. I, I think they they had like they definitely had him in like uh, Matt Damon in mind because he just got off of Goodwill Hunting like yeah. two years later, uh, which I I'm, which is I would love to watch that movie soon. Um, yeah, man, and, and and Sean Penn, like I I for some reason, I, I can't I, I can see Matt Damon I can't see Sean Penn. I if if in some alternate world I can see Matt Damon being a good unnamed narrator because yeah. if you look at him back then. He definitely fits like the like the, the scrawny, somewhat built dude who who can do this. Yeah, uh, um, Sub- Suburbicon, I think, was the name uh, was the film that came out recently where he yes. it's not, it's not he's a uh, an unreliable narrator. It's like a, just a gritty film for him. I feel like Matt Damon doesn't. I, do I watched films. it. I I watched Suburbicon. I didn't like it that much. Really? It, it it's a good movie, but I just didn't. It, it, it just didn't click with me. Do you think it's trying too hard? Yes, it mm-hmm. definitely was trying too hard. Like, it, the, the best thing, like the good thing about that movie is the, the trailers mislead you. Mm. The trailers are, are very misleading for that movie. And I, I like that. Um, More like, like I said, like, we, we definitely do not take um stuff off of uh, uh, off Wikipedia. No, we never do. We, we, we definitely yeah, no, we don't. Like, um, I, hey, I, I just found this out by calling up Edward Norton. And I asked him about the about, about the fight scenes. Yeah. Um, he said he, he said they were heavily choreographed. Uh, the actors were required to go all out to capture that real effect, such as getting the wind knocked out of them. That's crazy. And stuff so, and stuff like that. So that so, so so some of the fights were probably somewhat real. Mm-hmm. They're probably just like, hey, just beat the fuck out of each other. Have fun. We're, we're gonna take a coffee break. Just uh, don't break any of the cameras, please. <laughs> yeah, we'll just fight each other. We'll leave the camera recording. Go. <laughs> just, just try not to break it. Um, it's I uh so uh, the makeup artist uh Julie Pierce who had worked on Fincher's films such as The Game, uh, studied mixed mixed martial arts and watched a bunch of pay per view po- uh, boxing matches to portray the fighters accurately. She designed an extra ear to have cartilage missing, inspired by the boxing match in which Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. <laughs> God. I, I can see that being like a good way to study for makeup stuff. Like like you look at um, how like they come out bruised and damaged from fighting. 
And you go, okay, that's what I need to do to this eye. That's what I need to do to the jaw. That's what I need to do to the ear, you know? So that's a really cool thing to study. I think makeup artists don't get a lot of credit for what they have to actually do. They don't. Um, uh, she also um, uh, desired two methods, creating sweat on cube by, by spraying um, uh, it was mineral water over a coat of Vaseline and, and <laughs> using an, an, un, an unadulterated water of wet, an unadulterated amount of water for, for wet sweat. Yummy. Also, um, so um, Meatloaf's character, Bitch Tits, one moment I gotta sneeze, my mic's gonna be paused. Ah <laughs> oh, shit! I unpaused it too early. <laughs> uh, uh, Meatloaf who plays bitch tits. Um, he he wore a ninety pound harness. Jesus. God. Oh man. He also he wore, also wore yeah, okay. <laughs> a, a eight inch lifts in in his scenes with Norton to be taller than. Him. <laughs> I don't think Edward. I don't think Edward Tort Edward Torton. I think Edward Norton is that tall. Um, let me find out real quick. He can't be tall. Definitely not looking at. Definitely not looking at. Not looking at Wikipedia for this. <laughs> um. Uh, he is six foot. Yeah, exactly. He can't be taller than six feet. So how big is Meatloaf then? If he had to wear uh, eight-inch platforms to be taller than him, probably like five ten or something, like just barely short, shorter than him. Probably about my height, maybe. I don't think he's that small. No offense, Zach. Five. Yeah, he, he is 5'10". Yeah, you got <laughs> Look at that. You, you, you got them right on the bone. He's about my height. Um. Yeah, so um, uh, he had to wear like uh, eight inch lifts. Which was like, like, it's very interesting to hear this stuff. Like seeing, hearing that, that Russell Crowe was originally casted for, for, for Tyler Durden. Meatloaf had to wear a ninety-pound fat fat suit harness. Yeah, we could have got Matt Damon in this movie. Like, imagine Matt Damon in Fight Club. He was like a back in the day, uh, back in nineteen ninety-nine. He was like one of those good boys. You know what I mean? He wasn't like in these gritty yeah. movies. Like Keanu, he was basically like Keanu Reeves back in the day. Keanu Reeves was in Bill and Ted, which we'll talk about next week, and then like The Matrix, and then all of a sudden he's thrown into John Wick like ten years later, and it's like. Jesus Christ, what happened to him? Now, and imagine if they do, because we keep on talking about our, our recasting of Fight Club. Now, now they put, um, since freaking um, uh, Keanu can still go, he, he's still pretty built. Imagine putting him in, in Tyler Durden's spot. Now, I don't think, no offense to Keanu, I don't think he's charismatic enough. Not that he's not, he doesn't have, like, he, he is charismatic, but he's charismatic in a different way than yeah. Brad Pitt. You need like douche charisma rather than just natural charisma. If that makes any sense. Okay, so okay, okay. I know I'm insulting all bunch of people, like douche, <laughs> like douche, douche charisma. We need so let's say Russell Crowe's bitch tits. Let's have the narrator be. Um, doesn't have to be a new actor, but like have like a younger dude. I, I don't want to keep doing the whole like Hollywood thing, but Taron Egerton would be good because he's a little bit of a greedy guy coming off of a couple films. <gasps> So oh yes, be pretty good. Yes. And then again, that's just me casting the same guys from Hollywood. I like him. You know, he'd be pretty good. Tyler Durden. Who would they cast as Tyler Durden? You need somebody like. I would still keep Brad Pitt. No, you can't have to be Brad honest. Come back. No, and it, no, just, just like keep like just keep him the same. Have him come back. 
No, that's too on the nose. Then it's but not a fine, then, it's a then, sequel. Then if, if, if there's one character I want casted as the same person, I want Jared Little as Angel Face again. He can still be Angel Face. He still looks good. <laughs> Jared Little uh, back fuck, Angel Who would be, be a good... I don't know. Man, who, who would be a good Tyler Durden? I mean, again, if, if Ansel Elgort wasn't an asshole, I would think it would be funny for him to do it. Because if you watch Billionaire's <laughs> Boys Club... Uh, Taryn and Anzal are the two main characters, and they play good opposites. But that's just me yeah. casting people that I know work well together. You you want people who are fresh and different. But I don't know who could play Tyler. Tyler, it's because you need someone so versatile to play Tyler. At least in my opinion. Hmm. Who could play Tyler? Now, maybe we'll think of something that's um, going through the plot. Oh, oh, how about um, how about Zac Efron? Ooh, yes, that is perfect, actually. Zach Efron, because a little bit, he kind of looks like a young Brad Pitt. It's just like he's got a good jawline, he's got the muscles, he's got the hair, you know. Yeah, I think and, Zach Efron would be pretty good. And and he is he is built like a fucking tank yeah, too, so Zach Efron looks good. So yeah, Zach Efron could easily be Tyler Durden. Because he's getting into more serious roles. Because he was Doing yes. like these kitschy little like rom commy teen movies when he was younger, obviously through uh, sixteen again and uh, High School Musical, and then he went into the hardcore comedy yeah. scene when he was like in Neighbors and in Bad Grandpa, not Bad Grandpa, uh, Dirty Grandpa, and then um, and then he's gotten to more serious roles with Extremely Shocking and then uh, The Greatest Showman. So I think honestly he could get into some deep stuff. So I would love for him to be uh, Tyler Durden. But now I'm rethinking my yeah. uh, unreliable narrator choice because Taryn and, and Zac Efron, I don't think they would work together, like visually. Um, okay. If anything, like you could probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you could definitely put Tom. I mean, um, uh, uh, maybe uh, the older brother from Stranger Things, Sam. He might work. Joe Keery? No, Maybe. No, that's, um, uh, that's Steve. Um, yeah, Steve. The dude who's going to be in the new Mutants film? <laughs> I I know that. Or, um, fuck. Uh, it needs to be someone bigger than him, honestly. No offense to him. Do you, okay, um, do, do, do you remember, like, the nerdy white kid from, um, from We Are the Millers? The one that played the son? Will Poulter? <laughs> yes. He, yes. He would be great. That, that could work. He'll be great because he can be intimidating at points. There are films that he's been in recently where he's like the bad guy, and he is like a scary motherfucker. If you Google, uh, if you go on Google and you type in the actor mm-hmm. with the eyebrows, he pops up. Wait, hold on. Do it. Do it. Do, Google the, the actor with the eyebrows. He pops up. He's the first one if you go to Google Images. <laughs> what the fuck? There's also a picture of fucking Sid and, um,. <laughs> And an eyebrowless, um, fucking <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Man, so eventually, eventually, we'll have cameras and screen sharing for this for this uh, show because we do a YouTube show. Yeah, well, same thing. But like, yeah, dude, Will Poulter would be great because he's like he's charming, but he's also like nerdy. So he works for an Edward Norton style character. If they had to remake it in like now times, I hope they don't. This isn't us saying let's do it, but I'd love to see those actors that we just talked about in <laughs> the movie. Daisy Ridley could play Marla Singer. Definitely don't look at the I Discord chat. Daisy Ridley, I need Daisy Ridley to actually be in a good movie. Oh, no. 
Daniel Radcliffe looks scary. <laughs> it looks like a so it looks like his face is smaller because he doesn't have eyebrows. <laughs> he, he looks it's like so he's gonna scary. steal your fucking candy at the fucking at, like at recess. <laughs> you know, walk up and go candy and steal it and run away like fucking Gollum. <laughs> I'm gonna put the picture up in the video. Okay, so for the okay, so for, for the for the audio only listeners, I I I, I found the picture. I I, I showed under the picture Daniel Radcliffe without eyebrows. Yeah, definitely go check out the YouTube to see that. Terrifying. Yeah, so definitely check out like the video version so you can kind of get some of the jokes that we show that are not. Uh, okay, so right, let's get on to some plot. N- now let's that get we're into done, the meat and potatoes of this motherfucking film. Let's get into yes. the good, good. Yes. Zachy boy, start us off on the plot, por favor. <clears throat> the unnamed narrator is an automobile recall specialist who is unfulfilled by his job and possessions and suffers from severe insomnia. He finds uh, catharsis by attending support groups and posing as a sufferer of testicular cancer and other afflictions. Curing his insomnia, his bliss is disturbed when another imposter, Marla Singer, also begins attending the same support groups. The two agree to split which groups they this is attend. A cool opening sequence. Um, I talked about this in uh, it is. a little behind the scenes. I talked about this in take one of this episode, where um, it, it's cool to yes. see. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Way to put hey the fourth wall, Um... <laughs> So it, yeah. it, it's cool to see like how the movie sets itself up for a disaster, if that makes any sense. Where we see Edward Norton, he's tired with his job, he has insomnia, he doesn't really know what he's doing in his life because he, he has all these material possessions he doesn't necessarily want or need, but he gets them because everyone around them is getting him. He's fitting into like a society. As much as that sounds like a joker quote, I'm not trying to quote the joker. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. But, um... <laughs> um, there's... There's something I, I didn't notice that's kind of weird when um with between the two. So um he gives her um his number and, and, and during the scene when they agreed to split the days. Apparently that that was the number to the dilapidated house. Really? That's Remember awesome. That. So, that, 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 that that's so he weird. He already had the dilapidated house. Because remember, because like he goes like because when she called him about the overdose, he goes, "How'd you get this number?" Holy shit! Dude. She goes, "You he gave it to my me." Fucking mind. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's awesome. Because that, I, I I noticed that I I noticed that just now. I'm like, wait a minute. He gave her the number to the dilapidated house. Because so he's already planning this in his subconscious because of the insomnia. When he thinks it's getting cured, Tyler Durden is born. We're, oh we're breaking God. these walls down for this movie already in paragraph one. So the, the whole insomnia thing comes from uh, the, the lack of, like, control in his life. And he's, he's spiraling out of control through all this consumerism, capitalism bullshit. So he ends up seeing a doctor who tells him to uh, that he actually doesn't have it that bad. Go see a testicular support cancer group. And that's how um, he, he gets to meet Marla and Bitch Tits and all the other guys. So th- that's a little more insight onto that. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. That should be the quote for this week's episode. <laughs> His name oh. is Robert Paulson. <laughs> nah, nah. That's like I, you have to be a diehard fan of Fight Club to to just to like get that. If you if you're not like a very good fan of it, you're gonna be like, what? Put it at the end of the episode then. But no, if you have the gentleman, welcome to Fight Club. That's a good opening Put quote the for us. At the end of the episode. 
So to continue right, on with the plot, on a flight home from a business trip, the narrator meets soap salesman Tyler Durden, played by Brad Pitt. The narrator returns home to find that his apartment uh, and that all of his belongings have been destroyed in the explosion. So back to the little the to the airplane thing. While he's on the plane with uh, and he meets Tyler, we see the Starbucks cup, and Starbucks is sprinkled throughout the entire yes. film. Again, something from Take One. Uh, like it, it's cool to see like just how much consumer products are in this film. Like you were talking about uh, beer in the last take. Like they have like oh, some Budweiser, yes. some Heineken, or something, or some. Um. No, it was a Bush Heiser. I think it was. Yeah. And like, I think there's a Coca Cola ad sprinkled in through somewhere at this point too. So it's just cool to yeah. see like there's the like Starbucks cups are sprinkled throughout the entire film. It's not just in the one scene. So it's cool to see like all the consumerism products plaguing the world around us. They even there's even one on the um on the train later on where he's talking about like the male gaze. Oh yeah, about Gucci. Gucci. Yeah. And th- that's a cool little scene. And what I think is really good in that scene, it, it again ticks to the point of spoilers. They're the same people, but like uh, the narrator is narrating something in his head about Gucci, and then Tyler immediately responds with the answer he's looking for. And I thought that was really cool. Well, see, that's also like an actual ad too. What the Gucci ad? Or yeah, I yep. know it was a real ad. That, that, that's so weird though like for, for, for the male gaze of, of Gucci you just see like a man's ass on a fucking bus <laughs> hey, stop man, it's like you want this ass oof by Gucci I don't know man it was weird but like meanwhile Gucci is yeah, so expensive ridiculous. but like I, I liked how the narrator was able to narrate something and then Tyler answers it and I don't know how many times Tyler actually answers the narration the narrator's questions without the narrator opening his mouth but I think it happens more than once that's just a cool little thing to, to dip up on. But we're going too far into the plot. So, let's get back on track. Uh, after his house explodes, like his apartment explodes, he's the only apartment to explode in the entire complex, which is just funny. He, he, he rationalizes it as well, which is kind of cool. And he's like, oh, I must have left the gas lighter on, and then the yeah. fridge opens up, and the compressor blew up. The, it's, it's cool that he's rationalizing something. Yeah, wait, wait. Like, how does, how does, his, how does, how is his apartment the only one affected? Well, we know from later on that like, it was like a, a bomb. So, well, well, well no, yeah, yeah, because he he used like freon, but like it was a like, decent explosion. It should at least done damage to about maybe one or two other apartments that are like I mean, that are in the walls next like to him. A little bit of damage was spread, but it doesn't look like that much. Yeah. So, mm, uh, all right. the narrator is yeah. disheartened by the loss of all his material possessions. Deciding against asking Marla for help, he actually calls Tyler, the guy he met on the plane, and they have a and they meet at a bar. Tyler says the narrator's the narrator is beholden to consumerism, and then in the parking lot he asks the narrator to hit him, and then they just start fighting. I, I at that point I think it's like a whole part of so like I, um, live life to the fullest. Like you lost all your shit, that sucks. Punch me in the face right now. Like it's kind of like let's go, get your mind off of it. Let's get into some high octane action. You know. At least that's my perspective. So I, um, as we, as I mentioned this in the first take that we did, um, so like from what I've read and what I've heard that the very first fight that they had when Norton throws the first punch, that was, um, it, it was like, it, it was scripted, but he was, I think he was supposed mm. to hit him in the shoulder, but the, the director said, hit him in the <laughs> ear, just punch him in the ear. 
and because like because you would because the reaction we got from Brad Pitt that was a genuine real reaction. I believe it. Of him, like he hit me in the yeah, ear. I, I like some of that because like because because like you you could definitely tell like it's 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 Brad Pitt because like he his his voice goes up. Yeah, it does. And he's sound like, like ah, like what the fuck? It's like what the fuck, dude. Yeah, I love that sort of. And like, then, I, and I then we get the fight scene. Breaking when it comes to like improvisations and breaking characters, and it yes. actually gets kept in the um the script. So that's always fun. Oh yeah, because like it's it's some of the best stuff that you, that you can say. I, I I love improv in some scripts. I love when things are like, hey, here here's the here's the layout. We kind of like we we don't like the way we wrote it. We want to mm. see how you do it. it it's it's the best way because when you get characters that have good chemistry. Like what, like um, Norton and um, and Brad Pitt. I want to see them in a in a movie again together, because they definitely had good chemistry. I don't think they like each other anymore. Oof. I think that was the whole thing. I don't think they like that each other. That sucks. Anymore. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember hearing. But it's also because Edward Norton is notoriously hard yeah. to work with. Oh yeah, because I, I yeah, if we all know about the Hulk you know, incident, he wanted more and money, which shit is like fair, that. But also, he's just again notoriously hard to work with. He kept like fucking with the Hulk scripts. He, and he, he also like, wanted to, to um, co-direct and everything. And they actually play into that in uh, the Birdman movie, where Edward Norton is just an asshole the whole time to every character. That's supposed to be like a characterization of himself, which is cool. Okay, now jumping back into this plot. The narrator moves into Tyler's large, dilapidated house in an industrial area. They have further fights outside the bar, which attract growing crowds of men. The fights move to the bar's basement, where the men from Fight Club, which routinely meet for the men, men to men, fight, meet recreationally. Men, 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 men. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, like, I'm sorry, but like, why, why does men like appear so much? Well, like in that before, um it's the whole toxic masculinity thing it's men do this men need to blow off steam men 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 this is all about men we're so manly when we fight each other uh women wouldn't get it uh. yeah but isn't like it isn't like fight club 2 about like a in female the, in the comic getting book? into it um i think so but it also still deals with marla and um uh the narrator's relationship in the comic they actually have a baby and um, the narrator is afraid that it's quote unquote Tyler's baby because it has blonde hair, but that's just a projection. So it, it, it yeah, it gets really fucking crazy. Tyler actually comes back God. in the comics. It's so oh, it's so cool. You gotta read the book. I, I'll, I'll probably lend it to you. I'll send I, you um one of the digital ones. Well, no, I, I I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the first book on Audible. Oh, also, the, please the sponsor us. Book or the comic? Um, uh, the legit book first. I I, I want to read that first, mm-hmm. and then I'll dive into the, the comics. Comics, hold on. Continue on with the plot. Awesome. Um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll read the next paragraph for this. Uh, Marla overdoses on pills and a tele- and telephones the narrator. This is where I brought up that he gave her the phone number to the dilapidated house. It, it's very weird because he goes, like, how did you get the number? He goes, well, when we met, you gave it to me. So, yeah, it, it definitely it breaks further down that he's been planning this type of thing since um since the very beginning the narrator um he she telephones the narrator for help he ignores her but tyler goes to her apartment to save her tyler and mara begin a sexual relationship much to the narrator's um irritation uh uh tyler warns the narrator never talk to marla about him which i think is a cool little thing the narrator the narrator 
Like it's like, hey, whatever yeah. you do, you know, me and Marla are dating, but don't talk to her about me at all. I want to stay in Enigma, and that's like a thing that it's um, it, it keeps you guessing under like what's going on with Tyler's background and how he actually doesn't really have one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, um, thing I, I completely forgot. So. When we when we first met Tyler, I, I want to bring it back to the uh, to the airport real quick. Um, Tyler steals a car. Remember that he uh, he um he, he hops into a red Corvette, I think, dangerously, he, and just he steals it. Norton, hey, this is what you want to so, be. But now, but now, now, does that mean that? But now, since since um, eh, um, so Ed, Edward Norton's character didn't see that. Did Edward Norton steal that car though? That's that. that Unless Edward Norton already bought that car, and it actually wasn't stolen. Weird. Well, no, because um, there was someone that, that comes up and goes, "Hey, my car." Yeah, I think Edward Norton stole it. I mean, I think uh, yeah, the narrator stole the car for sure. Because again, we, we know they're the same person. <laughs> um, it's just it's a mental projection. Yeah. Unless the car. It's it, it's mainly him having an outer yeah. body experience. So maybe each time. Edward Norton was just visualizing that Tyler would steal a car. That could be, but like, remember he, he he didn't see him leave the um place. Yes, but this is like the whole. So like, like so now it, 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 it's him. It, it's him envisioning it. It, it. It's him envisioning, but why would we see it if, if so he's we, not seeing it? Because at the beginning of the movie, they don't want to tell you they're the same person. It, it, this is true. It's, it's movie magic. All right, so now. <laughs> Finishing up the, the last sentence of the plot, the narrator blackmails his boss for his company's assets, support Fight Club, and quits his job. Um, was this the? Uh, yeah, the, 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 this was the scene where, where Edward Norton kicks his own ass, no, pretty much. This is the scene where? Oh yeah, you mean in the uh, in in the in the uh, in the office building? In, in the office. Edit that out. He kicks the shit out yeah, of himself. In the office, he starts beating the shit out of himself, and then he's like, "Oh, you're hurting me!" And it's supposed to like drum up like. Oh shit! The boss is beating him up because he's a bad worker, and that's like you know not good in HR. So that's the blackmail. And then he's like, you know what? Come settle this in Fight Club. So then the boss comes down, and they just kick the shit out of each other in Fight Club. And then he ends up. Uh, I think he ends up winning. Not the boss, Tyler, uh, Tyler slash Edward Norton. I think they end up winning. Did they fight yeah, in Fight Club? Yeah, the boss. Because um, there's a scene where Tyler is fighting um this businessman. And I thought that it was the boss, but again, I watched it a week ago. I don't really know 100% where all the side characters uh, are. I don't think it was. Um, if it was, then hey, I'm wrong. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. do my research after this and look at, and watch the scenes. But I don't think they fought. I'm not 100% on that see. one. Anyway, continuing on with the plot. So soon, fight clubs begin to form all across the country. New members begin to uh, join in mass, including uh, Robert Bob Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson, a man with testicular cancer. Bitch <laughs> a man with testicular Meatloaf. cancer who uh, the narrator had previously met in a sport group. So this is where we start seeing Fight Club becoming more of a cult rather than just dudes hanging out. Just dudes being dudes. Yeah, because like yeah. We, we saw we see that young kid who's like no older than like what you said in the first take, like no older than us, maybe twenty eight, maybe, you know. He, and he, like you have to wait outside for three days. I'm surprised the plot doesn't mention. And then uh, you said on the last day before he's about to let um, the young kid in, Paulson's there and Paulson's about to leave. And then Edward Norton goes, "No, no, no, you're good. You got this. Just survive. I believe in you. Fight Club's good. Let's go." 
I'm surprised that um, in the plot that they don't mention that the at the bar that they fight in is owned by the mafia. Is it? Yeah, remember because you get um at, at the end of it like at, um like in, like in the middle uh you get like the guy comes down and is like what the fuck is this? He goes like oh so and so let us uh, do this. He goes like well that guy doesn't own the bar. I own the bar. I'm Lou. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I don't remember that. And 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 then him and Brad Pitt. Oh, that's the guy I'm mistaking for the um, for the for the business guy. That's the one I'm mistaking for the boss because <laughs> he was also a bougie older dude, and I was like, oh shit, that's what I'm thinking of. So yeah, he fights. I'm Lou. Who the yeah, fuck so they are fight you? To continue to fight in the basement of that fight club, and I think Tyler does win. I think. Don't quote me. Yes, t- t- Tyler wins because he um he, he slobbers blood all in that guy's face he goes like please give us the room lou please we this is all we have please <laughs> lou with, uh, tom and you gotta start sprinkling in clips man <laughs> the youtube show I, is going I, to be well, lit. also i, I don't want to see a copyrighted that's why um I, if, if anything I'll, I'll try to sprinkle in clips like i'll i'll try to i'll you, do some stuff do i have to clip is the opener Please, please. Okay. That, that, that's my one. <laughs> that, that's my one. That, that, Lou, that's please let us use the room. Please, Lou. <laughs> so good. Give me your Definitely word. On my mother's grave. <laughs> All right. So Tyler begins recruiting. Since I read two paragraphs. Yeah, no, I'm still going in. Um, I'm letting you know. So Tyler yeah. uh, begins recruiting their members to a new anti-materialist and anti-corporate organization, which is titled Project Mayhem. Without the narrator's involvement, they basically say, "Hey, don't tell the the nerd over there what we're doing." And everyone else's brain, he's like, "Is he talking about himself?" But again, don't tell the putts, putts man. The putts. Hey, don't talk about our putts over there. <laughs> um, don't talk to the putts over there. He so don't the, know. Uh, the group engages in uh, some subversive acts of vandalism and violence, increasingly troubling the narrator. Because like they take down, um, they blow up uh, like a uh, oh god. Like an art installation, like a something near a fountain, and it rolls into a coffee shop, which I think is Starbucks. If I'm not wrong, if if I'm not mistaken, no, it was it, it was not Starbucks. It was some like generic brand just for the movie. Like, I think they probably blew most of their budget Bull in the China on shop. the yeah. on the sponsors. And then they, yeah. they also start, um, but like, no, uh, doing I a bunch but of no, we, shit. you forgot to um mention. You got this. Was actually was before they threw the ball into the into the coffee shop. This was when they um. They had the spray paint of the happy face oh, and the fire yeah. in the windows. And they also do the uh, the the fucking with the, the magnetic strips on all the VHS tapes, right? That's that that, that, that I was so confused with that. that, that I think that they were testing the magnets for the credit cards later on, or some shit. I don't know, or for the server room. I, I don't know. It was weird. It was just yeah. a weird thing. They were just yeah. doing. They were getting rid of the whole anti-materialistic, anti-corporate bullshit. So yeah. Um, after the narrator complained, it's all you youngins out there, and it's all the youngins out there. They were in a blockbuster doing that. The last blockbuster video is going to be an Airbnb for uh, like a month or two until it closes officially. Like, you can stay in a blockbuster video, yeah, but no, it, 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 but it's only for for the residents of that area, it's for the people who've been going there for years and years and years. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I I respect it somewhere around here. Uh no, it's um oh, in Portland. Portland I guess, right? <laughs> well, no, it's like um, 
It's also like four dollars a yeah, night. Really I think cheap. it's as much. To, it's supposed to be like a, a little nod to. It costs four dollars a night to rent a movie. Uh, four dollars a night to stay there, and they're only allowing three families to stay there. At God. Time. So. Which is like it, it's still really cool though. Like I I would love to do that, but again, we, we live out here in New York. We're on the East Coast. That's the West Coast. Is so there's not much Portland, we can do. Is, is Portland really far to the west coast? I thought it was like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's um, it's I uh, uh talk while right, I so look. I'm gonna continue on with the plot. So uh, after the narrator complains that Tyler yeah. has excluded him, Tyler reveals that he was the one who caused the explosion at the narrator's condo, and then he leaves the dilapidated Fight Club house. So this is um what we we're harking back to when we were talking about. When we were like, oh, we'll talk about it later. The whole rationalization of um, Edward Norton saying, oh, this is how it blew up, was actually him, I think, was actually him going, this is how I blew up my house as Tyler. At least that's what I could think. Because I don't think Tyler plants a bomb in there. I just think he says, I blew up your mm-hmm. house. I was the one who did it. Because that's a subconscious mind. Uh, when he So he when he rationalizes the fact that the house is blown up and this could be the reason, I think that is how he made Tyler do it. How's that sound? Is that making any sense to you, Zach? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I'm just looking up Bend, Oregon, because that's where it is. It's on... Oh, let's see. Directions. <laughs> that... Oh, my God. Yep, that's all on the... That's on the West Coast. That is a 42-hour drive. <laughs> all right, Zach. We're taking <laughs> that a trip. Is going across. <laughs> that's... That, that, that it's also like a thirteen-hour oh, flight, yeah, apparently. Flights that are, are cross country are a long time, dude. To get to uh, Australia, I think it's like 25, 26 hours. Yes, yeah, so. or si- it's either it's between sixteen to twenty-six. How long will it take to walk Four- there? Nine hundred and twenty <laughs> hours to walk. That's like fucking a month or so. You won't go. You won't get there until <laughs> next year. All right. All right, it'll be gone by the it'll exactly. be gone by the time you get there. Walking trip. Woo-woo-woo. All right, uh, Zach, continue on. You're, you're about to have a, yeah, a recreation. On plot, Chief. When Polson. Uh, when Polson is killed by the police during a botched sabotage operation, the narrator tries to halt the project. He follows a paper trail to the city Tyler has visited. In one city, a Project Mayhem member addresses the narrator as Mr. Durden. Confused, the narrator calls Marla and discovers that she this also believes the, he is yeah, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler appears. This is the first like big scene uh, in the bar where it's revealed like, oh shit, people are calling him Mr. Durden. What's going on here? This is like the, the first little... I know it comes in really quick. Oh, like, they were calling him Sir. What? They, they were calling him sir yeah, for, but, for a lot of it but in my too. brain it was, oh, since Durden is the head honcho and uh, the narrator also started it they would also call him sir you know what I mean yeah but um, yeah, when they All called right, him yeah. Mr. Durden me when I watched it originally years ago I was like what and my dad was sitting there he's like I've already seen the movie so I know and he was like laughing and I was like what do you mean and then we get to Marla and it's like what are you talking about Tyler and I'm like oh shit Oh shit! What's happening? And then we see Tyler pop up, and I'm like, "Oh, here we go." They've been fucking. And then we start seeing flashbacks of him doing doing stuff. Really? 
No. And that scene where the narrator's in jail. Do you remember a scene? I remember a scene where one of the two of them are in jail. He was never in jail. That... This is like a line behind him. Uh, whatever. I do not um, remember this. It, it, it's, it's really cool to see that. Um, so <laughs> There's a Mandela effect happening <laughs> right, right here, folks. <laughs> are you remembering a, a better part of the movie that, that so, we never uh, have to see? Going back to what you were just about to say, Tyler appears in the room and reveals to him they've uh, they're disassociated personalities inside the same body, and that's something that we slowly start to see throughout the film, even before the reveals, because there are people have gone frame by frame for this yes. movie. Because if you're just sitting there watching the film, every once in a while you'll see a blink of something, and you're like, "What the fuck is that?" Like just a small one frame blink, and you just pass it off as like, "Oh, it's just like yeah. the narrator going slowly crazy," and you're like he's just seeing stuff. But then if you actually pause those frames, it's Brad Pitt. Laying on a table. It's Brad Pitt sitting in a chair. It's Brad Pitt next to him. Like it's just small little tidbits of Brad Pitt extra, like little little bits. And then that's when we slowly start to see the um, yeah. narrator remembering that Tyler uh, was always there, or they were the same person. Uh, it's like I I I still love like the breakdown because you see um. Uh, like, like when he starts to remember stuff, you see now him, like he, he, he remembers having sex with, with Marla. He remembers threatening the police officer saying, we'll cut your balls off. So don't fuck with us. It's, it, it's so like, I, I love, like, I love the, the breakdown. I love the attention to details. Cause even, even before seeing like, like the, the small pop-ups of Brad Pitt, like when, um, uh, no, so um, so when um, when he calls Tyler for, mm-hmm. from the payphone, um, and and, and and when Brad Pitt answers, he goes, "Who is this?" And then Edward Norton goes, "Tyler." That's a fun like that. That's a very interesting like, like if you if you don't pay it, attention, so like, you'll miss it. Uh. Well, no, no, cause, no, because he goes like, "Who is this?" And then yeah, Edward Norton Edward goes Norton Tyler as Tyler, like subconsciously. So Edward Norton calls up, um, yeah, the house, and we see Brad Pitt pick it up, but the mental projection is just even though they're obviously not, he's not able to mentally project so far away. He's not a superhero, but like someone obviously yes. picks up the phone and doesn't recognize who's on the phone. So when so when Tyler in quotes says, "Who is this?" And Edward Norton answers Tyler. It's basically him going, "Yeah, we're the same guy. I'm answering the phone. I'm telling you what to do." Blah blah blah. At least that's what I'm picking up from this whole disassociated identity disorder thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to continue on with the last line of the plot for this paragraph? So it's. Uh, yeah. Why not? Um. The uh yeah the oh, narrator no, 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 blacks not, not, not out that, that, when he returns the we, we and when he returns to, to the house. Uh, the narrator assumed. That's the last sentence. Oh yeah, the the narrator assumed that the personality of Tyler yeah, so when he believed he was sleeping was um he uh, pretty much cured in quotes because when the narrator sleep Tyler would wake up and I thought that was pretty cool. What were you gonna say? Sorry. Um, yeah, it's like I I like that too because yeah, like when when he falls asleep he becomes someone else. It's if you like a lot of things like um like so I, I was confused at first when um. When, when I when I saw that scene when he's asleep and he wakes up and, and the phone's off the yeah. hook, I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? 
And then it's like, oh, here are all these phone calls you just made. Oh, wait, what? I don't remember making any of these yeah, phone calls. Really cool well, like you did. Tyler is actually like what so, Tyler in quotes is actually doing while the narrator isn't around as in he's sleeping because his insomnia is cured because of the crying and of the fighting and of the blowing off of the toxic masculinity. So it's just really cool to see that kind of stuff, you know, sprinkled out throughout the movie. I know we keep saying oh, yeah. it's cool to see the sprinkles, but like it is honestly cool. And, um, when you're first watching it, you don't pick up on it. Because then when you hear the twist and they flash back, yeah. you're like, okay, cool, that that makes sense. But then when you rewatch the film, knowing the twist, knowing everything, it is beyond a better film. Actually, I'm actually going to up my rating now just a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm keeping mine at uh, where it is. All right, folks. So um, I'm back. Uh, you guys just noticed a cut there. Uh, <laughs> you can blame Hunter for um for that one. Hunter, what happened? Yeah, my my uh, internet is uh really fucky upstairs. Don't worry, guys. Well, once... Sometimes it's at full bar. Sometimes it's at two. Sometimes it's at none. But with the power of editing, the episode yes. is still. Fine. And don't worry, some like um <laughs> we will like once like COVID is fully died down. We will try to do more in-person ones so that we don't have to worry about our internet uh, keeling over and and, and exactly. suffering. It'll just be really easy. And suffering. <laughs> um, so, All right, so back to the Okay, movie. so where were we? I think we, we talked about movie. our ratings. I said I was going to keep mine where it is. You, you upped yours. I think because I think, well, well, of the passion that I'm showing for it, I guess. Because the passion of what you're doing from the passion of us just talking about the films because when you talk about a film, it's it's different from when you're like you're sitting alone watching a film. You yeah. Know? Like when I sit alone and watch a film, sometimes I you know check my phone or someone texts me and I answer them or like I, I'm like doing something on like the switch or something. I'm not fully aware of a hundred percent of every single movie I watch because like I have like ADHD and like just a small form, so I always need to be doing something. Yeah. So like I'll hold the remote or I'll do something. So like when watching a film by myself, I don't dissect everything. You know what I mean? I'm not like that into film like i know you sometimes dissect things as you're watching it but yeah. for me i'm not like that into it every once in a while i'll go oh that's a nice shot Ooh, that, that, that's a really good line or like i'll say the line right before it happens because it's just how rikes yeah. i'll just go oh that's what they should say and i say it and then it comes out it's like, like I'm, th- I'm the same when way. you're talking about a film with somebody i'm like, the same when way you're talking about a film with somebody it is just so cool to see like how the hype for the movie is brought in from two different perspectives and then it increases the volume of it well, it's like um, I'm the same way when it comes down to like I I've I I'm not, I'm not I don't have like diagnosed ADHD or ADD, but like I I have a balance home mm-hmm. practice butterfly knife, and as I was watching the movie, I was playing with that to keep my hands occupied. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's why I like my phone's usually in my hands, or like I said, I'm playing the switch. But when you talk about a movie, it, it opens up more potential for like increased yeah. what the fuck moments, increased um, cinematography stuff. Like, like you said at the beginning, uh, I said I, you blew my mind when you told me about the the phone and uh, how Marla calls the dilapidated house and the narrator picks up and goes, "How did you get this number?" Because you told me that at the beginning, that's actually the number for the dilapidated home, which I thought was a really cool thing. And not not knowing that kind of made me go, "Well, that's a little weird." Plot yeah, because thing. like. But then, like, there's know, no other talking way about it just it. makes the movie better. Yeah, because there's no other way she gets that number unless there's a deleted scene that we don't see. Exactly. She, he goes like, oh, and my, my I, house I hate it when deleted scenes are actually important. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it, it's really cool to see that kind of stuff. So before we get on to the final bit of the plot, is there anything you want to say, Zach? Um, 
No, not nothing really. I I can't. I guess I am happy that we are. I I I'm gonna like, I'm gonna go off topic. With me. I'm happy we are doing this. I, I mentioned this in our first episode. Me, me and me and Hunter at legit have been planning this podcast for about. It's been like a yeah, year or so. a year because we, we we had the logos <laughs> made and everything because we, we we were throwing around um uh ideas for the, to name the podcast. I, I think what it was gonna be box office boys, or and then we we're gonna acknowledge. Let's go with box office losers. So it's... At first, it was box office boys, and then we're like, that's just too lame. Yeah. Then it was box office bozos, and I was like, that's fun, but like we don't need that much little. Like we don't need the alliteration. And then I was like, what if we do box office losers? And you were like, that's perfect. That, that works. <laughs> so that, that, that's better for us because we are losers in our in our own rights. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. We're losers. You're losers. Everyone's so a loser. So, like, I, so I appreciate this. This also gives, like, me something to do every week and gives me uh, work to do besides play Mad Max on my PC. So, Yeah, so, I, like, like I said last week, I do a bunch of podcasts. I do um, the Android's Amazing Podcast, which is comic books, and then I do a PlayStation podcast that actually came out um, two Tuesdays ago and comes out every Tuesday. It's called Pound That Button with my friends. And um, it's just, it's just cool to like have different like podcasts to do something because like with all this COVID stuff, my drive for like my motivation has been down a lot to do anything. How do you think like, I feel? I about... used to write sometimes, and like, exactly, and no wrestling. So your wrestling <laughs> I, podcast is I, suffering I, I, I right was like, now. yo, I, I, I'm coming back, and then the world was like, nope, dropped straight yeah, down. Exactly, like dude, like the month you came back, they were like, ha ha, no. Because <laughs> like, but it, so it, it's just cool yeah, that like. But, having a different avenue to explore gives me something to do every week like you said like we're talking about movies we're watching movies we may have never seen we're watching movies we love we're watching movies that one of us has seen and the other one hasn't it's just cool to like talk about this kind of shit so i'm glad that we finally like just full-on did it i think you actually texted me um about it like hey yeah i I was uh, like i I was like fuck it and i was like i was like finally (laughs) no i I was like fuck it i I got nothing else to do i I, i'm a a contributor on the sports hit list but that just every now and then, like it's whenever we have a wrestling topic to talk about, I'm there. Yeah, once wrestling comes back, um, was it from Under the Rings gonna come back? Yeah, and uh, I I might guest on that show just to I, uh, I was, cross promote some stuff. I I, I was <laughs> trying to reboot it as like do a gaming, but I'm like that's way too much editing. I'll I'll fucking kill yeah, myself. That, that's too much editing. Podcasts are just a little easier. Yeah. Anyway, so back on topic. Uh, if you guys could check out our podcast, that would be sick. We're going to get yes. back to everything. Right now, Fight Club, the final little bit of news. Basically, news. The final little bit of plot. It's basically like just the ending of it and then a little bit more. So, the narrator blacks out after um, the reveal of Tyler and him being the same person. Uh, when he returns to their dilapidated house, he uh, uncovers Tyler's plans to erase credit card debt by destroying the buildings that holds all the records. Now, Zach, is that possible? <laughs> Nope. Well, maybe like what I I think when we discuss in take one, it like in the nineties maybe, but yeah, like maybe if you blow up a building in nineteen, because imagine the film was probably you know nineteen ninety seven is when they were filming, and the book was in nineteen ninety six, so maybe around that area. Sure, if you blew up a credit card building, all their records would be gone because now like they don't have clouds like we do. Yeah. But like, I don't know. That seems a little far fetched, Chief. You know? yeah, I was like, but then again, I was, it was I, I think it was also every credit card company all across America cuz he set up a bunch of project mayhems, a bunch of fight clubs, you know. Fight club did 911. <laughs> no, we no. <laughs> we can't say that. There were no credit card debts over there probably. I don't know, let's not talk about it. <laughs> fight club didn't predict anything. 
Anyway, so he apologizes to Marla and warns her that she is in danger, but she is tired of his contradictory behavior and refuses to listen. I think um, uh, the narrator calls Marla from the house. And Marla's like, oh. okay, what the fuck do you want now? Because, you know, we have the multiple personalities where, you know, the narrator doesn't really like Marla, but Tyler's in love with Marla. And then No, have, no, like, he calls Marla her from the hotel room. Both of that. The hotel room, okay, I yes. thought it was the other one. Um, uh, then the narrator tries to warn the police, but the officers are members of the project and threaten to cut off his balls. Because this whole movie's about dicks and balls, everybody. Toxic masculinity. Well, no, wait, no. No, remember the, the the thing was the the, the cop says it. I, so Mr. Durden said, "I like how everyone's referring to him as Tyler Durden now. No one's calling him Sir. Everyone yeah. now just calls him Tyler Durden." So, well, because yeah. he came to the realization of it. Like, I feel like he in his mind he was blocking it out. His, the whole Sir thing was them actually calling him Mr. Durden, and then once he discovers, oh shit, we're the same guy. The mental block of his name finally. You know, leaves the area. Yeah, I think. Uh, he's like, "Hey, Mr. Durden, you told us um, no one can stop us, not even yourself. So we got to get your balls." <laughs> now you said like, it, it, if anyone like spills the beans on it, they lose their balls. So yeah, you're you, a buddy. Mr. Durden. <laughs> yeah, so chop chop. Where were we? Um, he attempts to disarm the explosives in one of the buildings by himself, uh, but Tyler comes in and subdues him with Tyler holding him at gunpoint in the top floor. The narrator realizes that as he and Tyler are the same person, he is in turn holding the gun. So the narrator decides to fire the gun into his own mouth, shooting through his cheek, which causes Tyler to collapse since he thinks he has committed suicide. As a result, the narrator ceases mental projection of Tyler. And like, this is a cool scene. Cause like we see the gun go off in his mouth and like the blue, yeah. like the blue flash in his mouth is such a cool slow motion. It's just such a nice little uh, I, CG I want, scene in a mostly like practical movie. I also want to talk about um the like before this when you see like like the CCTV cameras of, of Edward Orange just, like, flying around the parking lot, getting thrown downstairs. Mm-hmm. It's it's so interesting. Yeah, this movie is just shot beautifully. All the cinematography is great. The, the the deeper meaning behind this film and the book is just awesome to see, like realized yeah. as a film and like scene by scene. Like, I feel like people can, like, get degrees just dissecting this film and book. It's just hey, such a cool thing. Uh, final little bit. Project Mayhem members bring in a kidnapped Marla to uh, the building that the narrator is in. Holding hands, the narrator and Marla watch as the explosives detonate, causing buildings to collapse around them. So, in turn, the narrator did not stop Tyler from erasing all credit card debt so it stops consumerism and capitalism and everyone is equal again. Hashtag communism, you know? So. God damn And then it. like we were saying way before, the uh, Fight Club 2 and 3 are comic books. And I think they might also just be sequel books in general too. So more continues into those stories. And we can talk about them at some point. Maybe as like bonus episodes. Talking or, or, about, like, or, maybe, or maybe we make a guest appearance on, on your podcast. Yeah, for sure. I'm down to talk about Fight Club stuff. Uh, we'll we'll keep everybody posted on those later. Yes. So Zach, any closing uh, arguments before we get to reviews? Um, no, nothing. I can see that this movie is definitely like it's it definitely deserves its cold following that it has now. I'm su- I'm I'm surprised like it 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 almost broke even via the box office when it got um almost uh a hundred a hundred one hundred point six million. 
uh, versus yeah. their $63 million budget. But, like, remember, you had to also add in advertising. Yeah, you gotta add the marketing. Yeah, like, I, I think they almost broke even, but not fully. I, it, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, it, like, we, we did discuss at the very beginning. Well, this is such recasting. a weird and divisive film. That, 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 like, not a lot of critics and, like, people were, like, we're getting ready to go see, like, a let's blow up the government kind of movie. And then, like, also yeah. in 1999, four, uh, three other um, Office Space movies came out. One of them being Office Space, where this guy is bored with his job and does something to, you know, stop working there or changes his whole perspective or behavior on something. And Fight Club just happens to be the one that's the most drastic. Not again. Not again. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're good. We're oh. good. I was waiting for you to respond. <laughs> no, I, no, could you cut out? I was like, oh, no. Um, okay, no. No, I, I can guess, like, I, Office Space, oh, that's a good movie. That's another movie we gotta talk about. It's another one on the list. <laughs> um, we already have, like, uh, 15 weeks of this planned, but we'll yeah, keep adding we to have, it. <laughs> we have, we have, we have so much in the vault already. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I can, I can agree, like, yeah, it probably, it, it def, definitely did fall under the radar thanks to those movies, but, like, you have to, like, I'm, you have to realize that, like, with that, with that casting uh, of Edward Norton, um, who was a nobody at this point? Yeah, who, who was a nobody, but but Brad not like Pitt. a real nobody, but like not a lot, not a big name. But like, but, but like seeing Brad Pitt like a role like a role like his go under the under the carpet like that is kind of weird. Well, it's because Brad Pitt was in a losing streak at this point. Back in uh, one of the notes that we skipped over, um, where the fuck is it? Here it is. Um, Brad Pitt was looking for a new film after the domestic failure of his 1998 film, Meet Joe Black. And the studio believed Fight Club would be more commercially successful with a major star. So they signed Brad Pitt for $17.5 million. So Brad Pitt, yes, he was a household name, but he wasn't like on a high horse as he is now. I feel like this movie yeah. drove him into more stardom because Meet Joe Black was not good for him. And, and the, the studios and them needed him to, you know, recoup some of that and recoup some Fox money. So, you know. That, that, that was another reason why, uh, you know, uh, Brad Pitt was a good choice, at least for me. Hey, I, I see that we don't have an old movie picked out for our 13th week. Don't look at that. Do you want that to be, uh, <laughs> you want that to be Office Space? Put that down if you want. We, we gotta get back on topic. We keep, we keep detaching. Zach I'm sorry, but I saw, I saw <laughs> that you added. I added a bunch, yeah. So for my films, you, you'll see a, um, a trend in my films. I'm doing, like, sequential stuff. <laughs> yeah anyway mine's just all um, willy-nilly well that's good i'm only doing sequential stuff because there's like you know cobra kai is coming out and bill and ted face the music's coming yeah. out so you know future stuff for later but um it's just cool to see so zach final reviews where are we going i'm giving this 8.5 bitch tits out of 10 uh the, the, this movie like it's a, it holds up today it's it's not like a, an amazing perfect movie. It's it's a good movie and it deserves to be with uh, with an eight point five rating. That's solid. Uh, originally, I had this film at a seven out of ten because I was like, you know, it's it's really good. It's just fine. But then I was like, you know what? It's actually eight bars of liposuction fat soap out of ten. It's an eight. It's it's honestly an eight out of ten film. Like you can't go past like it's not perfect, but it's not bad. It's fucking awesome. Like, I, I, I can't justify giving it more than an 8, so that's why the 7 got moved up. But, like, talking yeah. about it with you made me love it a little bit more just because of all the, the special little little details that I didn't really know about at first. So, it's cool to add perspective oh, and um, all right. stuff to movies. 
So, Zach, close us out unless you have anything else to say. Because we're still new to this. Um, no, that's that's really it. Uh, thank you all for listening, guys. You can follow us on Instagram at Box Office Losers, on Twitter at at Box Losers. We're still trying to work on that. We we'll might just there. keep it at this point. Um, to keep up to date with us from either um, if there's any scheduling dates that we have to fix or whatever. But um, other than that, though, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. We are the right, Box guys. Office Losers. Thank you very much. See you guys next week. Is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. Come on, guys. His please. name Stop it. is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson.